Hey folks, welcome to the House of Kraus. I'm Richard Kraus. Today's show is inspired by true events. Well, actually, it's inspired by quite a few true events. We have two documentary filmmakers coming by to talk about two very different films. A little bit later on, Stanley Nelson will be here to talk about his film, Tell Them We Are Rising, the story of black colleges and universities. That one makes its Canadian premiere at the Toronto Black Film Festival uh, in February. We'll give you some details about that a little bit later on. First up, though, let's meet Dilip Mehta and the subject of his film, Mostly Sunny. Now, if you know the name Sonny Leone, you've got one up on me because before seeing the film, I knew nothing about Sonny Leone. She is uh, a Canadian-born, American-bred actor who made the unlikely transition from porn star and penthouse pet of the year to the queen of Bollywood. Here's Dilip Mehta to fill in all the other details. Start by telling us who she is. Well, I just wanted to plug in that Netflix has picked it up, and it's oh. a worldwide release in March here. Yeah. Great. Oh, good. Well, uh, well I, just for the record, I, I, I want to state that Sunny Leone is no Mother Teresa. Yeah. <laughs> um, she, she's quite a remarkable person, in my opinion, in my limited uh, opinion. She is uh, had probably single-handedly picked up the, the mantle of spearheading a sexual revolution in India a vast nation such as ours, uh, which is steeped in hypocrisy and uh, prudishness, has now been, uh, you know, sometimes I'm actually, I, I appall myself with my choice of words because they're just like, no pun intended. <laughs> but uh, she she bears all what yes. the nation is, is truly all about. Well, and she's a porn star, I think. Well, she's yeah. erstwhile, a yeah. former adult yeah. entertainer, if we have to be politically <laughs> correct, because we're in Canada. Um, <laughs> Uh, yes, she is. She she is, and she was a, a former porn star, which mm -hmm. is why her her claim to notoriety is entirely because of her past. Uh, she has uh, limited chops in as in the field of acting yeah. and dancing, which is a very versatile uh, appendage in, yeah. in Indian cinema. Not sung. She does not sing her own songs. Yeah. She just mouths the songs. But it's all very entertaining, and she's usually found in bathtubs with soapy suds around her. So <laughs> and flower well, petals yeah. and things all around her, I noticed. To totally. <laughs> uh, but but she, is, she is actually one of... The, it's, it's not as though there aren't other pretty or attractive or skilled actors, actresses in, in, in Bollywood. I mean, it is, after all, the largest producing uh, yeah. industry in, in the world today. Uh, but what she what she brings to the to 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 for the for the audience is the fact that they can after watching her in a movie uh, go back and switch on the internet and see her in various glorious acts of copulation, which uh, nobody else has saw. So I mean that's that's what it boils down to. It, it may be naive of me, but I wasn't aware that there was a porn industry in India. There is, there is one, yeah. but we have not explored that in the film. Right. What has been explored in the film is the, the industry uh, in, in the United States, mm -hmm. in Los Angeles, city that all of us are remarkably yeah. fond of. Yeah. Uh, and I had the pleasure of actually photographing and filming at a, at a production, yeah. which I must say was appalling. And I'm not just saying that because my wife and children <laughs> might be listening to this show, but it really, it really turns you off sex almost, well, certainly for a year. Well, there was, there's a scene where you're interviewing uh, uh, someone who's involved in the industry and it's in a big house. It looks like a big house in the Hollywood Hills or something. I don't know where it was. Uh, but quite clearly, they're shooting a scene or something behind it because there are sounds 
sounds, there are sex sounds coming from that behind was, that him. That was the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the show. They, they even uh, despite the fact that Sonny and her husband, Daniel Weber, who yeah. was sort of a healthy Jewish boy from Brooklyn, uh, they still are, they're no longer in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. When, 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 she go, she, when they got married or when they were dating each other, at one day she said, uh, sweetheart, I, I, have, you know, I have an appointment. I have to go and film a, a, a show. And he said, you know, I, I'm not very comfortable for, with this. And she said, well, it's not like you didn't know what I did for a living. So he said, no, that's all right. But you know, now that we're dating, we should be sort of exclusive. So she said, okay, I'll, I'll just drop the show. And he said, well, what would that entail in? And uh, she said, I'll return the money. And he said, well, that's a good one. It was like $150,000 yeah. or something. He said, it's not a good idea. So <laughs> he said, I'll start acting. And he became a porn star too. So it's, it's a marvelous. So but it, they were monogamous yeah. as porn stars. Oh, uh, yeah. They, they didn't perform okay, with other Richard, people. if you insist. All right. <laughs> no, but that's <laughs> what they say that in yes, the film. Yes, of course. I, but I can say that I'm white, but am I? <laughs> 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 or like I said, I was born in Northern Ireland. <laughs> okay. No, with, with uh, coming back, really, I mean, you know, it's, my film is certainly not a cerebral as uh, Peter's or certainly not as as Bob's but but uh, the fact of the matter is that I did the film largely because uh, Sonny Leone for me was the vehicle to an entree into into the micro- microcosm of what India is today and India today is is you know it is it is it is ruled by an incumbent government that is uh, right-wing uh, there's a huge moral brigade out there, quasi-religious moral brigade, that goes about bashing people on the heads if they're holding hands. Men can hold hands and women can hold hands with each other, but God forbid if a man and a woman held hands or they were necking in the park, right. uh, they get trashed and they get physically abused. So uh, I wanted to see, and, and you know, more recently, there was a, a horrific case in, in, in India, where in, in New Delhi, in the capital city, where a young woman was raped was molested and raped and subsequently died. Uh, she was molested in a moving bus. And uh, I had actually at that point decided not to do the film. I said, it doesn't make much sense. I, I don't add more fuel to the fire. But uh, as a matter of fact, that's what drove me to do the film because Sonny was being nailed as perpetuating uh, pornography as, as the vehicle for, for rape, yeah. which I don't think is the case at all. I, I personally do not believe that. And uh, so I took on the challenge of, of trying to disprove that. And hopefully I have in some fashion or the other. It's certainly addressed in the film. Uh, yes, it yeah, is. She yes, addresses yes, it in the film yes. uh, in, in, a, in a very concise and kind of interesting way. There's also a Canadian connection here because she grew up at least partially she in was Canada. Bo- she was born here. She yeah. was born in, in, the, in this wonderful, well, I don't know, I mean that a little facetiously, a place called Sarnia in Ontario, yeah. which I, I'm sure I'm not going to be welcome there again. <laughs> Uh, but uh, she had a you know sort of a very healthy you know childhood. Mm-hmm. She she lived there till the age of thirteen, and uh, I, I'm not sure whether it's there whether she lost her virginity, but she did make a claim of something of that that to that end. So I think she had started probably pretty young, uh, but she left. She and her parents were were not your well, they were immigrants, mm-hmm. uh, but not particularly successful emigres. I mean, they had come to the land of. Well, the land of milk and honey was really at that point the United States, yeah. and this is pre-Trump, of course. Uh, uh, but they didn't do quite so well as they'd reckoned they would in 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 Canada, so they they went south of the border to to uh, Orange County, mm-hmm. where they continued uh, their downward slide. They didn't do well either, but lo and behold, their daughter somehow did 
very well because for her first contract, she made $100,000 and she became penthouse pet of the year. So she began at the age of 18, which is remarkably young. Uh, I think she was training to be a nurse or a secretary before that and uh, not particularly harmful. And then she leapt into this rather salacious uh, activity. <laughs> I'm speaking She's with, a remarkable woman, I must say. I well, well she is, and we'll talk about her. Uh, the film is called Mostly Sunny. I'm speaking with Dilip Mehta. So I was taken by her uh, because there's a steeliness to her that you don't see in her on-screen work. Her on-screen work is there's singing, dancing, bubble baths, flower petals everywhere. But in the interviews with her, uh, there is a steeliness to her. Not a hard edge, but certainly someone who understands... Uh, what the job is, why she has it, why she does it, and what it means to her. Yeah, well, that's that can be found in many other industries well, too. Well, it can be, but I don't think that there's always a self awareness in the porn industry, and that's where she came from. That's where she made her name. I, I, I don't think there's I, always a self awareness there. Uh, Richard, I think what is more remarkable—not more, but just what is really for me remarkable—is the fact that she had such longevity to her career. Mm. After being uh, a, 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 a former adult entertainer, uh, the shelf life is extremely, extremely limited despite being attractive, despite being a, a you know exotic and erotic, yes, of course, but exotic meaning she came from India yeah. and she had lovely brown skin and she had uh, you know all the other equipments. But given all that, uh, the shelf life is, is, is very, very limited. She was picked up for a TV reality show in India, which is the equivalent of uh, what you have in North America. I believe it's called The Big Brother. Yeah, it was called Big Boss in uh, India. Oh, right? it's called yeah. Big Boss. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, so there she was, and she's and and I think during her fourth or fifth appearance, um, she was snapped up by a by the leading Indian producer director, someone called Mahesh Bhatan, who on camera entered the house and offered her a job. Which was, I mean, she had Lady Luck on her shoulder, yeah. firmly, firmly settled. I mean, there's no doubt about it because she was, but they realized that, listen, she had an enormous, and she has millions upon millions of uh, fans mm -hmm. following internationally. But internationally, I think most of them are Indians anyways, you know, yeah. sort of hot-blooded Punjabis and <laughs> stuff like that. So it's a... Uh, she got a film, and you can see from the film, her first film, which was called Jism. Uh, Jism 2, yeah. but which many people said was actually Jism, yeah. which, which was like, <laughs> I didn't quite get I, that I one. Okay. <laughs> and uh, she capitalized on it, so, yeah. did, so did the producers. None of her films have done remarkably well, but in a country which, which produces over 900 feature films a year, where most of them die, they get yeah. buried even before they're launched, her films just about break even and make some money. Right. So people have lined up, producers have lined up around the block. And she attracts a lot of attention. Uh, understandably. Mm -hmm. She, about a month ago, was on television singing the national anthem. Now, I don't think that can... Can you imagine a baseball match or something in, <laughs> yeah. in, in United States or even a hockey thing where someone's a porn star singing? <laughs> Not going to happen. But India, we're prudish, but I think we're possibly very open-minded. In, in terms of Sonny Leone, certainly oh, they are. Absolutely. <laughs> That was Dilip Mehta talking about Mostly Sunny and its subject, Sunny Leone. You can find out 
uh, all about her. Just well, Google it for one thing. If you don't want to do that, you want to check out the film. Mostly Sunny is playing in theaters in Toronto, Vancouver, Ottawa, Calgary, and Halifax. Uh, it's also on iTunes. It'll be on Netflix, and that's going to be worldwide because Sunny Leone has a huge following all over the world. Stanley Nelson, his new film is called Tell Them We Are Rising, the story of black colleges and universities. And this is a, another in a series of documentaries that he has made that turns a macro lens uh, on his subject. He says that he doesn't really want to tell stories about dynamic people. He wants to tell stories about institutions. And he's done that in film after film. But still, there's always a very human and uh, very humanistic core to all his work. Uh, this is a fascinating movie. It will be making its Canadian premiere at the Toronto Black Film Festival on Wednesday, February 15th. Google it. Find out all the details that way. And you can pick up tickets online, I'm sure. Here's Stanley Nelson talking about Tell Them We Are Rising. I think probably for African-Americans, um, you know, most people have had, either have a connection, uh, you know, or a few degrees of separation from HBCUs. So I think in, in the African-American community, the, uh, the, the, the value of, of, of uh, black colleges is known. I think maybe the story of, of them is not. And why was it important to you uh, to tell the story? I mean, the, the climate in the U.S. right now, I think, uh, is is ripe for this kind of story. It's an important story to tell, but why for you? Well, I think that, you know, we started the, 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 the film like three or four years ago, so uh, you should know that. That was a, the time we started, but I think it was a, it's kind of an evergreen story. I think that, that importance is there. Now, I, I think there's a number of reasons. One, I, I'm really interested in telling stories of institutions and, and, you know, rather than stories of kind of, you know, dynamic individuals. Um, to me, that's just more, um, you know, more uh, uh, intriguing way of telling history for me personally. Um, you know, um, as a filmmaker, I, I, there were these incredible resources of, of, of you know, stills and uh, film and, 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 and diaries and letters and things like that that existed um, that were unmined, that existed in, these, in, in black colleges that people you know, generally hadn't searched for um, and so they hadn't really been used. Um, and then, you know, my parents both went to black colleges. My mother went to Talladega, my father went to Howard. And, the, you know, the fact that when they went, they both went to school in the 30s. You know, when they went to school, that was, that was the only option that they had. Um, but, you know, that option changed my life, uh, my siblings' lives, and, and, you know, my kids' lives and their kids' lives, and generation after generation will be changed because my parents had the opportunity to go to college. And, and you know, at, the, at that time, <clears throat> there was very little opportunity to go to any college except a black college for African Americans. What did you learn, uh, because there is a, a, a connection with you, but what did you learn about the sacrifices uh, made to create these institutions, these schools? Well, I mean, you know, the, the film encompasses in, uh, an incredible, you know, amount of time. So, so you know, we started the, the film doing slavery mm -hmm. when it was illegal. Not only was it illegal for uh, a 
black person to, to learn how to even read and write. It was illegal for a white person to teach a black person to read and write. So even if you own somebody, if you owned, you know, this person was your slave, supposedly, and you owned them, you couldn't teach them to read and write. That was against the law. That was punishment for teaching your, your own slave to read and write. So, um, you know, the, the film starts there, and in and, and, and this uh, incredible, you know, uh, long, long uh, quest for knowledge in the African-American community that, that goes through um, black colleges and, and up to today. So, you know, it's incredibly important. As we uh, skip through the film, and, and we'll, I'll, I'll get back to some detail in a second, but it kind of jumps from the 70s to present day, and there's a real, when I was watching it, uh, the, the color in the present day footage is so much more vivid and stuff, it really feels like you're in the present and it feels optimistic. And then there is uh, the talk of uh, Morris Brown University or Morris Brown College um, is all but closed, and the film ends on a, on a positive note, but not as positive a note as I thought that it might. And I'm not sure. No, no, no. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, yeah, go ahead. Well, uh, I, I guess the question is, uh, what is the state? Because as we as we sit here today, um, there are many black colleges open and running and and working, but uh, there are several like. Um, you know, one of one of the people in the film says the future for black colleges is contested at this point. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and I made a note of that, and I wanted to ask why. Well, I think that, you know, as we spell out in the film, that the universe for black colleges has changed in the last 40 years or so. You know, that you know, before, these were the only places that, that uh, pretty much that, 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 that black students could go if they wanted to get a higher education. And just as importantly, it was the only place where where uh, black professors could teach. So you had you know the cream of the crop in both places. Um, and, you know after integration and 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 now um, you know to a certain degree you know if if you've gotten great marks in school if you're at the top of your class well, you have options where you can go to school. If you are if you are a professor and you're at the, at the you know, top of your profession in your chosen field, you have choices of where you can teach and. and you know, are you going to teach at, uh, you know, Howard or, or Fisk, or are you going to teach at Harvard, where, you know, there's greater resources, um, there's greater prestige, and, and you're getting paid more. So, you know, there, there, there has been, um, there are choices now, and, and not to say that, that that's bad um, in any way, but it, but it, it, has, it, it uh, um, has exacted a toll on, uh, on, on black colleges and universities. So, I mean, that, that's, and, and that's kind of the, the, simp the simplest way to talk about it. I mean, there's, you know, we can go down this. I can give you other, other, other reasons and other things that are happening. HBCUs, though, have always served as a, a, a safe space for African-American thought, and, and they continue to. I mean, that's, I think, one of the points right. that is made in the, in the closing moments of the film. Is, would you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely, I, I think I think that that's that that's one of it. And we try to say this. You know, we we have a lot to say in that last whole chapter, but we try to say this. You know, in that chapter, that that there still are reasons why you know um, a, any given student might choose to go to a, a black college or university, and, and one of them is that it, it is this safe space. It is a space where you know you're not um, looked at as kind of one of a kind. You know, even if that one of a kind is is one of a kind, and you're special. You know, you're not looked you're not looked at like that. And, 
and and it is a safe space to, that that certain things can be discussed, certain thoughts can be had, and and you know, um, as one girl says, you know, movements are launched on on black college campuses because you know it's a place where um, there are people who are of like minds. And, and I've read uh, you speaking about this, and you said the sit-in movement wasn't going to come out of Yale or somewhere else like that. And I guess that's the 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 point of what you've just said. There is that you have a lot of like-minded people in one place, and and you can um, create a movement that way. Right. I mean, literally, the sit-in movement was born out of four students at, at North Carolina A&T sitting around, uh, you know, the dorm room and saying, you know, wait a minute, you know, we're tired of not being able to go down to Woolworths and get the lunch counter. Let's go down and sit in. You know, it was four students sitting around and dorm and launched this whole movement that, that erupted, uh, you know, uh, across the South in, in mainly in, 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 in black colleges. So, um, uh, you know, that's not going to happen to you. The uh, number that stuck out of my head is that uh, the lunch counter protest cost Richie's department stores uh, $10 million over the Christmas holidays, and then all of a sudden people, or the, I guess Mr. Richie, the owner of the, of the company, stood up and took notice. That's an enormous amount of money for that time. That's an enormous amount of money today. But at that time, that must have been uh, an unheard of amount of money. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that, that, that was talking so about, about the whole sit-in movement and the boycott movement was that it, was that it worked. It worked in a way that, that was very different from, you know, trying to pass laws and change laws because it hit, it hit uh, business people directly in their pocketbook, you know, and, and, and they could change right away. You know, it's like, oh, okay, we lost $10 million. Okay, we're going to take the signs down. You know, we're, we're going to integrate right away. So, so in, in, in some cases, the city movements were able to, 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 uh, to uh, enact a change um, uh, the, the, the way the South, uh, uh, I don't know, I'm losing my thought here, but, but, but the city were, were able to, to make changes much, much quicker than, you know, And one of the, the veterans of those uh, protests said that, and this was, I thought, very funny. You said, you know, once we, we were able to sit and eat them, the first meal I had, the food was terrible. Finally, I'll let you go and get back to it. But tell me about the digital yearbook. So you've you've got a companion piece to the film. Yeah, we, we have a number of, of different things that, that we're doing where, where we're you know um, uh, getting what, what's called you know user generated content, having people send in their pictures and their letters and, and their uh, you know diaries, whatever we can get um, to. Um, get uh, more and more material that, that will then live online um, and that will have kind of a, a living, developing history of, of black colleges and black college experience um, that, will, that will be through social media and online. That was Stanley Nelson talking about Tell Them We Are Rising. 
the story of black colleges and universities that's going to be making its Canadian premiere at the Toronto Black Film Festival on Wednesday, February 15th. It's the opening night movie. It's well worth a watch. Uh, Google it, find out all the details online, buy tickets, go see it, you'll be happy. Right now though, we're shutting the doors at the old House of Krauss. That's it. It's a big show. It's been fun having you here, but it's time that you get out of here now. Be sure, though, to come back next week. We put a new show up every week. This week, Dilip Mehta and Stanley Nelson. What a cool bunch of guests. Thanks to them. Thanks to you. Be sure you come back next week, though, because you never know who's going to stop by for a visit. It may be one of your favorite people. <laughs>